Really? Everybody, y'all here? Y'all here? Everybody happy today? Man, y'all should be happy after last night, huh? Tigers put it on somebody. I know. Uh, but man, what a great night to be able to watch Tigers football return. It's always exciting as we get into this time of the year. And uh, I want to take a moment to welcome you if you are here today as a first-time guest. Uh, my name is Jay. My wife, Stacey, and I are the lead pastors here at Journey. And man, what, what a privilege to have you as our guest today. Also want to welcome those of you who are joining us online right now. Great to have you tune in with us today. And church family, let's give all those who are joining us online right now a great big Journey Church welcome. Come on, give it up for them. It, a lot of people tuning in today because it's Labor Day weekend. A lot of people out of town. Uh, actually, uh, Stacy and I, our entire family is out of town. Tyler, Brittany, Livy. Uh, Bryce and Reese, the whole family went up to Arkansas to visit with Brittany's family. And Stacy and I are at home all by ourselves. Got to tell you, got to tell you, I'm liking it. I'm, I'm liking it a whole lot. Uh, Miss Livy, Miss Livy, but we're having a great time. And he, here's the thing if you're here as a guest today, let me tell you what we're doing. We actually are closing out a series that we've been in for the last five weeks called Clickbait. And what clickbait is, is you're on the internet, you see something, it looks awesome, you click on it, takes you to a video or whatever, it's not quite what you thought it would be. And in reality, our spiritual enemy, the devil, he does the same thing to us. He actually convinces us that there are things, there are things that are good for our life, we grab a hold of it, and it doesn't turn out the way that we thought that it would. Uh, we've talked about a lot of topics so far. We've talked about fear, we've talked about anger, we've talked about unforgiveness, and today the topic that we're going to talk about is actually where I started with this entire series. Whenever I was actually putting this series together, today's topic is the very first thing that I came up with and, and wanted to be able to share it with everybody because it's something that all of us battle in the culture that we live in. And, and so once again, don't throw elbows and point, and, you know, hey, you need to listen to this. This is something for all of us to pay attention to so that we can grow in our relationship with the Lord. Now, before we jump into that, I do want to give you guys a couple of a quick things real, real fast. I heard Jeremy talking about the Embrace Women's Conference. This thing's going to be awesome. Stacey and I were actually, last night we were at the house, and we were talking about the speakers that are the lineup to come. And uh, it is going to blow your mind, ladies, whenever you come to this conference. And so I'm just going to tell you, and, and I'm making a little plug for my wife. She didn't know I was going to do this. If you haven't registered yet, you need to register because it's going to be phenomenal. Here's the next thing that I want to tell you all about, and I kind of have to apologize a little bit. I kind of misled you all, and I did not do so knowingly. I thought we had already pulled the permit for the new Watson campus, and come to find out, we had our, our permitting city. We were waiting on the state fire marshal's office, and uh, we got everything approved this past week and pulled the permit this past Monday. So guess what? It's full steam ahead, y'all. Uh, can I hear an amen? I, I didn't know they were getting some stuff done. Shh, don't tell anybody. They were getting some stuff done over there, and I thought that the permit had been pulled, but we were waiting on the state fire marshal's office, and they did a great job, got it expedited, got it out, and we got everything taken care of. And the electricians were in there this past week, uh, had some metal workers in there this past week. So 
it is full steam ahead over in Watson. And here's the goal. Uh, we're praying that that campus will be wrapped up by the end of the year. We can do audio video in January. And we're looking in spring of 2020 of launching that campus and very excited about that. We're doing an interest meeting next Sunday. <laughs> uh, they had a youth event in here last Sunday night. Had about four, 450 kids in here. And so we're going to have this issue for the next six months. So y'all just bear with it. Okay. So uh, where was that? Interest meeting. We're having an interest meeting next Sunday night. It's going to be at the Watson campus. And uh, it's going to be at 5 o'clock. And, and here's the deal. We're going to talk about the vision. We're going to talk about what it's going to look like over there. We're going to have a little bit of worship, some great refreshments. If you are interested in finding out more about the Watson campus, visit the table in the foyer and sign up. And they'll be sending out emails with the information uh, in it uh, this coming week. And so I need everybody to be praying as we move forward with that campus. We're very excited. But also we're asking everybody at Journey to be a part of One for Watson. This is something that we started about a month ago. We're asking everybody that is a part of Journey to, to step up and commit to give a dollar a day for one year, $365. And we're asking you to go by and pick up one of these flyers. The reason why is you can take this and you'll have a rendering of what the church is going to look like. You can be praying but also to take this little card and tear it off and turn it in. That way we know uh, who all is praying for this, but who all also is giving financially. Some of you say, you know what, I want to give more than a dollar a day or less than a dollar a day. You pray about it, that's between you and the Lord, but we're asking everybody here at Journey uh, to be a part of One for Watson. Everybody say One for Watson. I just like the ring of that. And so looking forward to all the people that are going to come to know Christ at that brand new campus and just praying for it, very excited about it, spring of 2020. Now, clickbait is one of these things that if we're not careful, we can get tied up in something that we had never intended to in the first place. And the enemy loves the mindset of that. He loves to get our lives tied up with fear and anger and all these different types of things. And today as we go into this topic... Here's where I want to start off. How many of you in this room would say, you know what, by and large, I'm a pretty happy person? Raise your hand way up high, okay? How many of you in here want to be more happy? Raise your hand way up high, okay? What would it take to make you more happy? Or if you say, you know what, I'm not raising my hand because I'm not happy. What would it take to make you happy? This is typically what people say. The typical answer whenever you say, what does it take to make you happy? Most people's mindset is, it would take more to make me happy. More money, more influence, more of this in my life, more of that in my life. We want more. Everybody say more. The mindset of more is something that is all throughout our culture. And if we're not careful, it can grab a hold of us. And we can begin to let that lead our lives as we go throughout life enjoying our family, our friends, all these different things. So today, what we're going to talk about as we wrap up this series, we're going to wrap it up by talking about how the enemy wants to bait us into having a heart and a lifestyle of being discontent. A lifestyle of getting caught up and looking at the things that the world has to offer and, and, and just being ungrateful and, and having a heart and a lifestyle and a mindset of being discontent. And somebody might say, well, well, why in the world would we even talk about this? Because if we're not careful, this is something that actually can poison us as we go through life. It can affect our attitude. It can cause us to complain and bellyache. 
it can get a hold of us and really affect us in a bad way. Uh, I, I like to think of it like this. Has anybody in this room ever, ever gotten food poisoning before? Anybody? Okay. Food poisoning is not fun, am I right? And here's how food poisoning works. You eat something that looks good, some sushi, sushi from the gas station, you know, something like that. You're like, it looks so good, I'm going to eat it. And, and it starts off slow, but eventually you're like, yowza, should not have done that, okay? I, I had, I had an, uh, something happen years ago. We went to uh, India. I was with my friend Bernie and Casey and Mr. Carl, and we went to India, and they had a pastor's conference, and I was teaching at that. They had about 200 pastors there. We were in a really small community. And uh, this is actually what the guy told me. He said, this is a small community in India called Bodan. There was only a million people in this community. I'm like, okay, yeah. So they had about 200 pastors there. We're teaching. And we got through with the teaching portion. It was lunchtime. They come. They start setting up the table in front of us. And Bernie, he's over there all the time. And he said, no, no, no. He said, Tell, through the interpreter, let them know we're going back to the hotel to eat lunch there. And so I said, Bernie, no, no, we, you know, we got to eat with these guys. We want to be able to interact with them. You know, the Bible talks about, you know, eating what's in front of you and, and hospitality and relationships and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, okay, Pastor Jay. I learned on that, on that trip, don't ever argue with the missionary. And uh, so anyway, they bring the food, we eat it. And we get back to our hotel, and he says, now I want to show you the video footage of them outside preparing the food. I said, okay, let's have a look. And so they had laid out an old tarp on the ground, and they had the vegetables and everything on top of, the, on, on top of this tarp. And they're like, like sitting on the ground, chopping up vegetables, bare feet, and all animals walking around. You know, all this kind of... And I was like, oh, Lord, what have I done? And... Literally, like a couple hours, I'm like, you know what, I'm fine. The Lord, you know, heals me and all this kind of stuff. A couple hours later, not so much, all right? And, and actually over there, they call it deli belly. And it was, it was not fun. You get food poisoning, it's never a good thing. Well, the enemy wants to come and he wants to poison our mindset. He wants to poison our attitude. And he does it in small ways and it eventually becomes bigger and bigger within our life. And so we've got to be very careful when it comes to discontent because it's such a bad thing. Here's what Proverbs says about this. He says, people never stop dying and being destroyed, and they will never stop wanting more than they have. We get caught up in that mindset of more. I've got to have more. More is what will make me happy. And guess what? That's simply not true. So how can we overcome discontent in our lives? Is there a secret to it? And I would say this to you. When you go through scripture and you begin to read different places, you find that Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, I believe that he somewhat found the secret of being content in life. This is what he writes to us. If you have your Bible, go over to the book of Philippians chapter 10. I love the book of Philippians. And if you don't have your Bible today, here's what I'm going to tell you. It's great to always see the scriptures on the screen but I encourage everybody to bring your Bible with you to church. Here's why it's so important. When you have your Bible with you, you get familiar where the different books and letters in the Bible are. You can also write notes in the margin, underline things, all that kind of stuff. So I highly encourage you to bring your Bible to church with you. And, and Paul, he writes this, and we're going to look at verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Now Paul, when he's writing this, he's under arrest. 
And he says, indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through, what's the word? Him who gives me strength. In other words, I found the secret to being content. It's found in Jesus Christ. It is found in growing in that relationship and allowing him to work within your heart, within your life, to be able to change things within you. Now, everybody in this room needs to know something. Being content in life is not something that we are automatically born with. Okay, it's not something that just happens whenever you become a Christ follower. Oh, I, I, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. I'm automatically content. That's not how it works. Okay, actually, contentment is something that is learned within us, and it's something that God wants to work on all of us to begin to change with us within us as we walk throughout life. So we need to understand that. A couple things you need to understand about contentment as well. It's not apathy. It's not just sitting back and being lazy and, and having the mindset, okay, I'm going to sit on the couch all day long and play video games and do nothing because I'm content, okay? That's not what contentment is. Contentment is a deep internal satisfaction that God works within you, that God brings to you. It's like you're going through life and instead of having an attitude of complaining and griping and being negative and I want more and God, why isn't this and it's not fair it's where you've allowed God to work on your heart and your spirit and begin to change you to where internally, deep within you, you are satisfied. There is joy there within your heart. It brings strength to you as you go throughout life as well. It really is actually kind of cool. But here's one of the things I want to help you understand. you got to be on your toes. Because discontentment can be one of those things that, once again, starts off small, gets big really quick. And you got to be on your toes because the enemy's always looking for ways to come in and try to work it within your life. So here's what we're going to do today. Before we talk about the secret of being content and how we can learn that for our lives, let's talk about the enemies of content. Let's talk about the different tactics that the enemy is going to bring against us to cause us to be discontent as we walk throughout life. And here's what I want to do. I want to tell you a story today about a landowner, a, a guy who had uh, a vineyard, and he needed to hire some workers. And so he hires these workers. They agree on a wage that they're going to work the day for. And the landowner realizes throughout the day he needs more workers, and he continues to hire workers all throughout the day. And as they get towards the end of the day, he calls his foreman in. It's time to go ahead and give the payroll out and settle up with everybody and that's where the trouble begins. Now, we get in the story. If you have your Bible, go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 20. We're going to read a couple verses to start. And this is where we are. Matthew chapter 20, verse 8. They get to the evening, and it says this. The owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Now, he had some guys there who had been working a very short period of time. And he had some guys who had been working the entire day. And he says, hey, the last ones we hired, go ahead and pay them out first. And the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each of them received a denarius. And so when those who came who were hired first, 
they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. We're going to look at their response here in just a moment. But there's a word that jumps out there. They expected to receive more. What do you think that the first enemy of contentment is? Well, it's expectations that we set up within our heart, within our mind, within our life. And, and, and it's kind of like this. Expectations that we set up can cause us to lose our contentment, can cause us to lose the joy that we have in God, can cause us, if we're not careful, to lose our peace as well. And here's what it looks like. Have you ever gotten a raise before? And they call you, hey, you've been doing a good job, we're going to give you a raise. And they give you, I don't know, 50 cents an hour more or $5,000 a year more, whatever it might be. And you were thinking instead of 50 cents, it should have been a dollar. Or instead of 5,000, it should have been 10,000. You already had it in your mind, in your heart. You're like, this is it. I'm worth this much. I'm going to get this. And you go in there and you've got these expectations that you have set up. And because your expectations were not met, it causes discontent within your heart and within your life. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Has that ever happened for anybody? Because I know it's happened to me before. You have these expectations that you set up, and they're not met, and, and they're not there. And so as a result, discontent can begin to brew within your heart and within your life. you got to be careful. It's a big enemy against contentment within our life. And so here's, a, here's another good thing I thought about as well. Maybe... You're watching TV and you see something offered for $19.95. And, you know, it's amazing. It slices, dices, chops, it does everything. And you order it and you have these expectations. It comes in and you're like, what? Another thing I thought about was like this, and this is just about as silly as you can get. But whenever I was a kid growing up, my mom, every morning she would get me up and my sister up and she'd, you know, get us ready for school. And my mom, every morning we'd have breakfast and one of the popular things that she would feed us because it was easy was, was cereal. Anybody else eat cereal whenever you were a kid? Now, how did you eat your cereal? Okay, if you were anything like me, you took the box and you had it here and you got your cereal and you're eating And What are you doing? You're reading the box. Because in that box, there was pure gold. In that box, there was a prize. You know what I'm talking about, huh? And some, some of the prizes, there were numerous things. You collected them and all this kind of stuff. And your mom would not let you put your nasty hand in the box and root around to get the prize. So you had to eat the cereal down to a certain place before you could get to the prize. Am I right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Who in here has been there? Yeah, that's what I'm, yeah. And so... You're reading the box, you're dreaming, this prize in the box will change your life. <laughs> it's like, it's going to make all the difference in the world. So eventually, you're reading the box, you're dreaming, you got all these expectations of what you're going to do whenever you get this prize, and you got to get the prize before your sister or your brother get the prize, and it's just one, and so eventually, what happens? You get the cereal down in the box and, and you're, you take the box and you look like, and you squeeze the sides of it. Y'all bent, y'all know what I'm talking about. And you shake it. Because when you get the cereal down to a certain point, you shake it. What happens to the prize? It comes up to the surface and you can stick your nasty little grimy hand in there and snatch it. You get it out and you're like telling your sister, you're like, yeah, look what I got. This is going to change my life. 
you open it up and you realize rather quickly it's garbage because <laughs> you got to put it together and pop the tabs out and stuff then you get it together and you're like this doesn't look like the box this doesn't look like it's life-changing this doesn't look like something I could change the world with and you realize that the expectations of what you had quickly are let down now take that as silly as it is and bring it into the world that we live in today and take it into marriage, take it into job, take it into salary, take it into raising your kids. All these things that we set up, we have these expectations for. And when the expectations that we set up don't work out quite the way that we think that they should, we wind up with discontent within our heart and within our life. Well, well Pastor Dave, we got married. I mean, like day two, we got in an argument. And I thought we got married. We'd never argue. <laughs> and it's like, really? You made it two days without arguing? That's pretty good, you know? <laughs> Seriously, we had these expectations. I got this job, and I thought it was going to be so different from the last one. And I get there, and I found out they got issues at this job, too. You know why? Because it's life. And if we're going to mature in our walk with Christ, we learn to work our way through issues and let God grow us even in spite of those issues. Amen? So expectations that we have so many times cause discontent to begin to grow within our life. And we see this in our story. Remember, he's given out the payroll. He's paid out some of the people. And the workers that are behind, the ones who got there earlier in the day, they've got these expectations. Man, they're looking and saying, man, he gave, those guys only worked for a little while, and he gave them some, he gave them the whole pay. I bet we're going to get overtime. Look what happens here. Verse 11 it says, uh, when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked for only an hour, they said. You have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. In other words, he paid them exactly what he had agreed to pay them. But yet they still grumbled. You know why they grumbled? Because of what? Expectations that they had set up within their heart and their life. Here's the next one, and this is huge. you got to be careful because expectations are big, but the next enemy that we battle whenever it comes to discontent is comparison. Have you ever compared something? You know, looked around, your car, somebody else's car, your house, somebody else's house, your paycheck, somebody else's paycheck, your kids, somebody else's kids, your marriage and somebody else's marriage. Think about it. We, we have a habit of comparing, and here's what happens with these guys. The moment the guys in the story begin to compare, they lost all contentment, all joy, all happiness went right out the window. And here they are being miserable because they're looking at what these other guys, they're like, man, we worked all day long, and we got the same pay. You got exactly what the landowner had agreed on. And here's what all of us need to understand. When other people around us get more or they get better, do we lose our joy? Do we lose our contentment? Because you, you, you got to watch this. It's human nature to want to compare. Get, I'll give you a for instance. Last night we went out to go eat with some friends. And we're sitting at, at Zia's over in Jubin. And uh, I like going there because we can eat fairly healthy. And last night we got there and uh, we're sitting there and the little guy comes to take our order and he says, uh, you know, tells us all the stuff. And I said, do you have anything off menu? And he said, well, we've got, 
you know, our, our rotisserie chicken, we take it, we deep fry it, we put it on corn grits, and we cover it with etouffee. Everybody's planning to go and see us right after the service is over. Okay. And I said, wow. I said, I, I think, you know, I was going to eat healthy, but you may have won me over. And I looked at my friend Casey and he said, well, that's what I'm having. And I'm like, Okay, well, Casey, I was, you know, I want to eat healthy, but now you're pulling me over to the dark side. I looked across the table to his, his wife, Wendy, and I said, what are you going to have, Wendy? She said, I think I'm going to have that too. I said, you know what? Stacy, what are you going to have? She said, I'm going to have the baked salmon. I said, you know what? Give me the fried chicken. <laughs> so they bring out our food. And they set Stacy's down on the table, and I'm like, eh. And they set all of ours out, and y'all, it looked amazing. I mean, human nature, though, kicks in, because we all three had the same exact thing. And you know what I did? I looked to see who had the bigger portion. <laughs> I, I did. Casey was in the first service. He was like, I, I did too. And out of all, me and Casey, we both big guys. Wendy, she a little bitty thing. Guess who got the bigger portion? Wendy did. She took food home. I ain't take no food home. I eat it all, okay? <laughs> but our human nature is to look around and compare. And you got to be careful whenever you do that because here's what happens is the enemy grabs a hold of that and says, you deserve more. You deserve better. This isn't fair. And you can begin to let that take up residency within your heart and the next thing you know, the contentment, the joy, the peace you had, it all goes out the window and it affects your attitude and you get a sorry attitude about everything in life. Enemies of contentment. Uh, we look at this and we see that the expectations we have, but also comparison is huge. And we have to take a stand against that. We've got to be able to watch it spiritually, how the enemy will take advantage of us in that area. Because here's what you got to know. No matter what you got, there will always be people who have more than you do. There will always be people who have better than you have. Well, Pastor Jay, that, that's not very nice, but it's true. It doesn't matter how much you spend on a vehicle. There will always be somebody with a bigger, better car, right? And so if you begin to chase those things in life and you begin to let that affect your attitude, you will go through life with a sorry attitude. That's exactly where the enemy wants you to be, okay? And so Galatians 6.4 it tells us like this, it says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. He's basically saying, hey, don't go through life comparing yourself. Look at yourself and see the things that God wants to change in you, okay? And so comparison uh, is one of those things. You got to keep your eye on it and realize that the enemies can come at you in this direction. Here's the last thing that we're going to talk about the solution. The last thing is envy and this is probably the most dangerous one of all the reason why is because envy can show up anywhere at any point in our life and it's the biggest danger to the contentment that we have within our life and here's what it looks like you see somebody else around you a neighbor 
a friend, a co-worker, and God blesses them. Now, how many of you in this room like to be blessed? Okay? But here's what envy looks like. Envy looks like this. Whenever somebody around you gets blessed, and you're aggravated because of them getting blessed. They pull up in a new car instead of being like, yeah, that's awesome. You deserve that car. You're like, I hope they get a flat tire. (laughs) (laughs) That's what MB looks like. That's pretty funny. That's what MB looks like. And here's where it really gets difficult. And I really start to step on your toes is it probably every single one of us in this room, I don't care who you are, we probably have all had a nudge in our heart in the direction of envy before. So we got to be on our toes against envy, against expectations, against comparison, because the enemy wants to set us up so that he can affect our attitude, so that he can affect our relationship, so he can affect our relationship with God in a negative way. Because... Here's what it comes down to. You get towards the end of the story and, the, and the, the landowner speaks up, the boss speaks up. And he says this in verse 15 of our story in Matthew chapter 20. He tells all the ones who are grumbling, they're complaining. He says, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? He basically says, guys, I gave you exactly, I'm an honorable man. I gave you exactly what we agreed upon, but now you're aggravated, but guess what? It's my money. I can be generous if I want to be generous to the other people around in any way, shape, or form that I see fit. So here's the thing. If contentment is a learned process, how do we learn that? If if it's something that we're going to gravitate towards and let it be a part of our life, then what I want to do today is I want to teach you three words. Everybody hold up three fingers just like this. I want to teach three things. Because this is something that God has worked on me for the last 29 years of my life as I'm growing in my relationship with him. But it's something I have to stay on top of because all of us, I don't care who we are, it can begin to affect our attitude and we can lose our contentment. Here's the first word. I want you to understand that God is working on me and has worked on me now for 29 years. And it's the first word is stewardship. And here's what stewardship is. Because a lot of people that hear that word, they're like, oh, we're raising money now for the church. That's not what stewardship is. Stewardship is understanding that everything that we have. Everybody say everything. Everything Everything we have is a gift from God. Everything that we have, God allows us to use it for a little while. And I say use it for a little while because this is what it is. God owns everything. There is nothing that you really own. Well, Pastor, I own my house. I own my car. I own my clothes. I own something. Really? Where's it going to be at whenever you draw your final breath and step off this earth? Well, yeah, but then I'm going to leave it to my kids and my heirs and all that. They get all that. But then where's it going to be at when they draw their final breath? What do you really own? Really nothing. It's been entrusted to you by God to manage for him while you're here on this earth. And how you manage the things that he places in your care determines whether or not he's going to place more in your care. Because stewardship is one of those things that is, it's a wonderful thing. It's God's, and he says, you know what, I'm going to bless you with this, and I'm, I'm going to give you the wisdom, but you need to be good 
stewards with the things that I entrust in your care. I, I heard a story that was kind of funny about a guy. He had a little bit of money, and he would always tell his wife, say, you know what, that's my money, I earned that money, I worked hard. Whenever I step off this earth one day, I'm taking it all with me. His wife, she'd just smile, say, uh-huh. He'd remind, hey, look, one of these days when I die, I'm taking it all with me. And so he kept saying that, and eventually the day came where he drew his final breath. And man, the, the funeral home was packed out. The reason why is because everybody really wanted to kind of come to see how he was going to take it with him. Was there going to be a, you know, a, a hearse with a, like a U-Haul trailer behind it? You know, were they going to have like money all up in the casket? How is this going to work out? Everybody showed up and they, they noticed that, that everything looked normal. And at the end of the service, when everybody was going by and, you know, was paying their final respects to the wife, she walked up, she kissed him on the cheek, and she, she put something in his pocket. She walked off to the side, and her friend gave her a hug, and she said, I can't help but, but, but say this. You know, we all showed up to see how he was going to take it all with him. And the wife interrupted. She said, oh, he, he did take it all with him. She said, well, what do you mean? There's... There's no U-Haul. There's no money in the casket. She said, oh, did you see whenever I put something in his pocket? She said, I, I wrote a check for everything, and I put it in his pocket. If he can cash it, he can have it all. <laughs> yeah. Some of y'all are like, what? What? You, at lunch, you'll be like, oh, I get it now. We don't own anything. It's all the Lord's. And he expects us to be good stewards over everything that he places within our hands. Paul says to Timothy this in chapter 6, verse 7. He says, for we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. In other words, we need to learn that God, you have blessed me. You've given me the things that I have in my life. I want to be a good steward over those things. And Lord, help me to be content within my life with the things that you have entrusted me to. Now, here's the thing. It is easy to begin to forget that it belongs to God. It is easy to begin to take ownership of it. It is easy to begin to get, let it affect your attitude. The next thing you know, you've got a mindset of being discontent. And so, with that said, if you're going to be content, you've got to learn stewardship you got to learn to say, God, it's all yours. None of it's mine. Give me the wisdom that I need to manage the resources that you have placed within my hands. Here's the next thing. Stewardship. Second word is this, and it's huge. Gratitude. Mmm. Gratitude. Pastor Jay, seriously, that's all you got? Gratitude will change your attitude. Oh, you saw what it did there? That rhyme, yeah. I could be a rapper. No, Okay. <laughs> Here's where I want to take you. If we constantly have the more, more, more attitude, it's time for a reality check. It's time for a heart check. If I got to have more, 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 if you're always thinking about later, greater, the best, you know, oh, I got this new iPhone, but it's six months old. They're fixing to come out with a new one. More, 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 more. You need to check your heart. Something's going on inside of there because gratitude is where it is, is where it's at. And I want you to get this because a lot of people say, no, I deserve that. I work hard. I deserve this. I deserve that. Do you know what we really deserve? Because of the sin nature? Pastor, you didn't go there. Oh, I'm going. I'm a good person. No, we're really not. At our core, we're selfish. At our core, we think of ourselves first. 
We think of others last. Oh, I give somebody a shirt off my back. I've heard that. Never seen anybody do it. <laughs> Where's your shirt, man? I gave it to somebody. No. We, at our core, we're selfish people. At our core, we think of ourselves. At our core, we have a complaining and negative attitude. It's called the sin nature. And that is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our life. Because what we deserve, because of the sin nature that we are born with, we deserve to be separated from God for all of eternity. It's what we deserve. But God, listen to this, in his love, his grace, his mercy, he said, it doesn't have to be. My son will go to the cross. And what you deserve, my son will take that on himself. And if you will just freely receive what he did for you at the cross, your life can be changed and transformed. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That in itself, if that doesn't spark an attitude of gratitude within our hearts, then I don't know if anything will. Jesus, you went to the cross for me. You paid the price for my sins. You took my place and paid my price. Lord, I'm so grateful. Gratitude is where we need to let our hearts be on a continual basis. Ecclesiastes says it this way. It says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Give up chasing the things of this world and chase after God. Pursue him, his presence. Pursue his peace. Pursue getting to know him in a greater, more intimate way as your heavenly father. And watch how that will change your mindset, your heart, your life. Watch the transformation that will take place. Stewardship, gratitude, here's where I'll take you as we wrap this up. And this is how you bring it all together. And the word is this, surrender. You've got to have a heart and a life that is willing to surrender things in your life that don't need to be there. Ask God for the grace that you need to set your mind on the things of heaven instead of the things of this earth. Ask God to help begin to change your heart and surrender the, 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 the mindset of more, more, more. For God, I want more of you instead of more of this world. You see, if you ask God to begin to change your focus from what is on this earth that will pass away to him, the things that will last for all of eternity, it will make all the difference in the world in your life. Now, let me help because I don't want anybody to walk away confused. Because you hear things like Colossians 3, 2, where it says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And a lot of times people hear stuff like that. They hear a message like this and they say, well, well, well Pastor Jay, I, I have some things. I have a boat. I have a nice house. I, I mean, I, I make pretty good money or, or, or my wife's got a closet full of clothes. Or, is that bad? No, it's not, it's not bad to have things. You've heard me say this time after time after time. It begins to be bad when those things have your heart. It begins to be bad whenever you begin to pursue that over everything else. And you begin to pursue that instead of God. That's why I say that we, we need to have the heart and the mindset as believers that our, our, our eyes are not set on earthly things, but they're set on things of eternity. 
that we're pursuing him instead of the things of this world. Because we need to make sure that the true Lord of our heart is Jesus Christ and not the things of this world. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, you are a good God and we are so grateful to you. What you did through your son Jesus at the cross, at the price, the, the debt was paid. The sin debt that we had was wiped away. And Father, may it be our heart to not let our attitude be affected by the things of this world, to chase the culture of more, more, more. But Father, to chase after you, to grow in relationship with you, to be grateful for who you are and what you have done for us, to have a mindset of surrender that, God, we give you everything that we are. Now today, with every eye closed, every head bowed, this message is resonating within some of your hearts. Because if all of us are honest, I don't care if we're a pastor or a plant worker, a school teacher, a police officer. This is something that we all have to battle as we go through life. Maybe some of you are fighting that battle right now. And you need God to touch your heart and truly begin to surrender the things of this world to him. And Father, I pray that right now our minds as Christians, as the body of Christ, as your children, would be set on things of eternity, Lord God. That we would recognize that as we go through this world, that what really matters are not the things in this world, but a relationship with you and relationship with other people all around us. Lord, may we impact people in this world for you. May we love people the way that you love people, Lord God. And may we have those open doors to be able to share the gospel with people in a loving way. And today, with every eye closed, every head bowed, maybe you have never surrendered your heart to Jesus. And today, as you sit here, you recognize your need for a Savior. You recognize your need to step into relationship with God here's how that takes place the first thing is you have to see your need for a savior because a lot of times people think well, well I'm a good person I got this thing wrapped up no 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 you have to see your need that you are lost in your sins that there is a sin debt it's been paid but you've got to receive in faith what Jesus did for you the next thing is this you have to admit that you are a sinner we're all born with a sin nature then next is you have to confess Jesus Christ as Lord or master of your life. And today, maybe you have never taken those steps. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And today, you realize it's your day to do so. Man, I'd love to pray with you. Love to help you take those steps. I'm not going to embarrass you. Not, I'm not going to call you out. But I just want to pray with you right where you are. There may be others of you in this room right now who would say, well, Pastor Jay, I had a relationship with the Lord. I gave my heart to him some time ago. But today, as I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm being honest with myself and I'm being honest with God, my heart is distant from God. And I need to renew my commitment to Christ. Well, today I'd love to pray with you as well. 
So with every eye closed, every head bowed, here's what I want you to do. If you say yes to that, Pastor Jay, I want to be a part of that prayer that you're about to pray. Then do this for me if you would. I want you to slip your hand in the air and let me see it. Is there anybody in this room right now? Now, as you raise your hand, do me a favor. Open your eyes, make eye-to-eye contact with me because I love to know who I'm praying for. I see you right here, right here. I see you back over here, right here. I see you over here. I see you in the back. Is there anyone else? Don't miss this moment. If God is stirring your heart, then now, right now, is the moment to surrender to Jesus. Now, for those of you who raised your hands, I see you right here. God. For those of you who raised your hand, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. It's a very simple prayer. But this is your prayer. And it's more about just saying words. It is about opening your heart to God and allowing Him to change or transform your life. And so today as you pray this prayer, give Him everything that you are. Let's pray this together. In fact, everybody in this room, I don't care if you raised your hand or not, pray this with me. Let's encourage these ones who raise their hands. I want you to pray this loud enough where you can hear it with your own ears. I want you to say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. You went to the cross for me because you love me so much. You paid the price for my sin. And today, by faith, I receive what you did. I admit to you that I'm a sinner. And today, I ask for your forgiveness. Through your precious blood, make me brand new. I give my life to you. I surrender to you. And Jesus, I ask you to come live in my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I thank you so much for for changing me and for letting me step into your family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give the Lord a good hand clap today? And God is good. Now, here's what I want you to do. Stay focused. Stay focused. Here's what I want you to do. For those of you who raised your hand, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take out a Connect card, fill it out, check off the box that says, Today I gave my heart to Jesus. And then as this service is dismissed here in a few moments, you can do one of two things with that card. You can drop it at our Welcome Center What I'd rather you do is the second thing. I'd rather you bring it up to one of our prayer team and let them talk to you about your next steps in your walk with Christ. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. If you guys probably have not noticed this up here yet, this is a baptistry. In our next service, we actually have water baptism. Your next step in your walk with Christ is to be water baptized because that's your public profession of receiving Christ into your life. And so if you'd like to go home, grab some clothes, grab a towel, and come back, we would love to baptize you in our our next worship experience. Uh, But our prayer team is going to be here at the front. They're here to pray with you, to encourage you. Church family, if you need prayer for anything, don't hesitate to come let our prayer team pray with you and minister to you. So let's all stand to our feet. And here's what I'm going to tell you as I send you out of here. You're going to have an opportunity this week where the enemy is going to try to affect your attitude. Don't let it happen. Have an attitude of being grateful to the Lord, to surrender to the Lord. Amen? And as we leave out of here, don't ever forget this. We don't just go to church. Love you guys. Be blessed and enjoy this Labor Day weekend.